Welcome to the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church Worship Podcast. My name is Maggie Nancaro, and I am the Assistant Priest for Children, Youth, and Intergenerational Formation at St. Matthew's. St. Matt's is a neighborhood church with a worldwide community in St. Paul, Minnesota. This coming Sunday is September 12th, 2021. Our texts this week come from Mark chapter 8, the story of Peter's confession, Isaiah chapter 50, and the letter of James chapter 3. You can find the text on lectionarypage.net or at a link in the show notes. I will read the gospel for us and the sermon will focus on this reading, so you won't be lost if you haven't had a chance to read the other two yet. I'd like to start us off with a prayer. This is the Collect for Proper 19, a prayer that all Episcopal churches will say together on this Sunday. Let us pray. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. This is the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here ends the Gospel. This morning I'd like to start us off with a bit of a spiritual practice, something to ground us in our ever-changing landscapes once more. Take a moment to scan over the last 24 hours. What have you been up to recently? 
Where did you go and how did you feel? Did you do anything particularly enjoyable or have any particularly memorable moments? I know that this is difficult. Most of us during COVID time don't have a good sense of memory or a good sense of time, me included, but that's why this sort of thing becomes all the more important. As you scan over the last 24 hours or so, I want you to consider if there were any moments that were especially holy to you. Did you notice any hope and wonder or perhaps companionship in struggle? Where did the sacred make itself known? Where did God show up? For me, as I was preparing for preaching today, a particular memory, I think, from, from Wednesday or so came into my mind. I've been driving around a lot lately, going to and fro between office spaces and meetings and family and friend gatherings. And I've had a lot on my mind, right? Task lists, ideas, holding space for difficult conversations. And I've been in my own head a lot while I go from thing to thing. Wednesday was no different. I rushed to get into the car to make sure I had what I needed, that I was on time. But of course I hit unexpected traffic. Y'all remember that, right? Rush hour? And I was distracted and steeped in human things. But as I was driving, I started to notice the sky around me. This heavy rain cloud hovered directly over but the sun was shining on the horizon out to the west. It started to rain and it started to pour, but that rain was electrified by the golden sun of the evening. The sun's brightness on the horizon turned the entire world this dripping gold. As I got out of the car to go to that next thing, I turned behind me and I saw the most vibrant double rainbow just standing straight up in the sky right behind me. It felt like this jolt out of my world into some other divine world. And for it, I was incredibly grateful. I wonder if you have lately also been lost in human things and had divine things break into your life. And maybe it was not quite as pretty as that either. I mean, let's be honest, divine things do not always appear as a beauty or a hope. They certainly didn't for Peter in this gospel lesson. Divine things can also be made known to us in holy moments amid struggle, a difficult diagnosis, the suffering of a loved one, the call to walk with something, someone in a time of distress. These are also divine things, divine intervention, reminding us that our road to love and awe 
should always come first. Maybe over the last week or so, those things have shocked you away from your tasks and your calendar and your expectations, making divine demands on you. Maybe you have had to walk toward suffering lately. And for you, that is what divine things are. In today's gospel passage, Jesus and Peter have a bit of a debate about the nature of the Messiah, the role of the Messiah, divine purposes, and human purposes. Peter's reminder of the divine is not at all a beautiful glimpse of the heavens. It's more a rude awakening to the reality of following God. In Peter's case, being reminded of divine things is being reminded of the paradox that God's love is built on, that to love is to let go, to save one's life is to lose it, that real glory and real power and real love come from walking toward suffering and not away from it. This is a fundamental principle of God's love. And if we think about it, it's also the foundational paradox of unconditional interpersonal love as well. Every person, every vocation, everything that we have come to love must be loved with open hands. The more we grasp, the more we fail. The more we control, obtain, and gain, the less we understand the true purpose of our work, the real depth of what love can be. This paradox, this strange reality of unconditional love is also the fundamental definition of a follower of Jesus, of a disciple. Jesus tells us that to be a disciple in this world is to let go of everything we think we must grasp onto. In that letting go, we must lose everything we think we are, but we let God make a new thing through that loss. During this time of COVID, we know that the one thing we cannot do is cling to an expectation. But the one thing we can do is to continue to look for God, to continue to train our minds to notice the holy, to see when God appears to us, when God shows us the way. Now we may not always know how to step forward into that way, and the way of love in this world can be dangerous. The empires of fear and distrust and competition and oppression will always retaliate when they are met with the kind of unconditional love that God proclaims. But for the sake of the good news, for the sake of the gospel, we are called not away from that suffering, but toward and through it because our God is a God who goes into it with us, who goes into it before us to show us the way. Jesus teaches that discipleship is about not shying away from that way. And faith is about knowing that God went there first and will not abandon us in it. Discipleship comes in many different forms. Some literally take up the tool of their execution for their faith. Some head towards a great personal struggle 
a battle with an addiction, a loss of financial stability, a loss of personal identity in a crisis, a diagnosis that turns everything upside down, or a struggle to forgive the unforgivable. And yet, it always looks like naming God's presence there, letting go and moving towards loss with grace so that God can make new life around us. It sounds like an enormous task, and it is, but it doesn't start that way. The challenge put forward to Jesus's followers is not given without context. Peter, the crowds, all of them know that following this Jesus leads to transformative new life. They've seen the healings and the abundant meals and the joyful hopes restored. They've seen evil put in its place. They've seen Jesus call questionable people, be changed by outsiders, name the presence of God in unexpected and even unthinkable places. They've seen how he recognizes divine things in a world caught up in a frenzy of human things. So when he makes this demand on them, it's not without an understanding of what is really at stake. And perhaps that's where it starts for us today also. Today, I challenge us to start with a practice of noticing, to begin our road to discipleship by focusing on what we see and what we name in this world. Each day this week, I hope that you can take some time to scan your day and notice what divine things were made known to you. How, how might you name those things? thanking God for showing up in the beauty and the joy, or recognizing God's companionship in the pain and the despair. Recognizing where God is and how God shows up for us is the first step toward entering this paradox of God's unconditional love and moving toward the God who makes all things new. And so I ask you, What divine things are at work around you right now? As we close our time of reflection and wondering, I invite you into a time of prayer and intercession. I ask your prayers for all that you are grateful for this week. What blessings has God given you that you are thankful for?
I ask your prayers for anyone in your life who is struggling or sick or in pain. I invite you to name them and remember them before God right now. I ask your prayers for this earth, its ecosystems and creatures, and all life that surrounds and holds us. What prayers for the earth do you have today? I ask your prayers for the poor, the hungry, the lonely, and all those in places near and far who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Are there any people or countries you would like to name today? This week, we especially remember the September 11th attacks on the 20th anniversary for those who were killed or injured and their families, for the first responders, and for those who suffered retaliation in the aftermath, and all those who carry grief from that day. Loving and merciful God, I pray that you hear and hold all the prayers of your people this day Come alongside us and give us a sure sense of your companionship, that we may live as you call us to live, and rest in the assurance of your grace. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I look forward to sharing time with you in the future and seeing you when we are able. In the meantime, I will leave you with this blessing to hold you in the coming week. May the wisdom of God, the love of God, and the grace of God strengthen you to be Christ's hands and heart in this world. In the name of the Holy Trinity. Amen. Amen.